Hi there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, and this is Father Bouquet. Well, Tad, good to be with you again. Yes, absolutely. It's always always great to talk to you. Um, so de- today we're talking about the uh, an article Father wrote in October nineteen in October of twenty twenty. October nineteenth was the publication date called "A Christian Vision of Society and the Civilization of Love." Um, this is kind of uh, a sort of perennial topic, though, uh, Father, when it comes to a, a, the difference between the way our current uh, culture, you might put that in scare quotes, uh, views um, the ideal relationships between humans um, and interactions between people and society and the way um, the church views mm-hmm. the ideal. And uh, I believe the civilization of love is, is, a, is a phrase that comes out of Vatican II. Is that correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that would be the document Gaudium et Spes? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So the, mm-hmm. yeah, I think when, when, you, when we talk about this, Tad, is, is to look at you know, two very different visions. And that's kind of the way to kind of poise the, the, the conversation in the, in the column. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at a you know, you know, human person from two different, completely uh, opposing views. In a sense, that one view looks at the human person as you know, part of a cog you know, we're here to, um, you don't hurt me, I won't hurt you, you know, you leave me alone, I leave you alone, uh, you know, um, we'll agree to live together, as long as you don't bother me, we'll get along right. just fine. It's, like, it's Thomas Hobbes, it's right. a Hobbesian view. Of, exactly. Uh, yeah. Versus the, 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 the anthropology that really begins with the dignity of the human person, this mm-hmm. understanding of how do we cultivate a civilization of life and love. Mm-hmm. And it really starts when we recognize the inherent dignity of the human person you know, mm-hmm. made in the image and likeness of God. So it doesn't see me out uh, to get you or you out to get me or, you know, we're together because we're, we're afraid of each other, so we build walls. No, it really does see that, that there is a, a complementary relationship and a, and a relationship that really sees the flourishing of each individual within that society that mm-hmm. builds up the common good. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the starting point of recognizing the two different views. Right. And it's just good for mm-hmm. us because to talk about this because we don't always see it so vividly we you know john paul you know who coined the phrases that we often use culture of death culture of life and then he, obviously we can explain those terms as we're talking about you know these two different visions but you know in most society in everyday life people don't always see the, those differences they don't mm-hmm. come across their table the, the main topics of course abortion euthanasia you know those kind of bring it all to bear but in reality it's it's part of daily life these two visions are very much around us and it's up to us to really to pierce through them and to respond to the, how we're all to respond. You know, and that is, what is the good for Tad? And mm-hmm. Tad's concerned, what's the good for me? And how do we then, in turn, care about the good of others right. and the flourishment of others mm-hmm. and, and, and assist each other to obtain that full flourishment? And that's mm-hmm. a very different vision. That means I'm responsible for you, mm-hmm. you're responsible for me. There is a connection that, uh, that unites us and it's a transcendent connection, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it really takes an effort to see it and to visualize it and then to actualize that in, in our daily life. Right, so that makes sense. It, it's, there's, this is the difference between the civilization of the world. Um, you might call it by some, some more uh, ancient names, the city of man, right, and, and the, the Christian civilization, which would be the city of God, according, those would be the terms of uh, right. St. Augustine. Um, but the, it seems like what, what we're talking about is the basis of the civilization, the Christian civilization is, is love. 
And so can you describe, I mean, that's a buzzword, that's everyone, you go any town in the country right now and you see like, uh, you know, L-O-V-E in the, in the right. downtown square. What's the difference between the way our current society views that concept of love right. and um, the way the church sees it, or the way Christ sure. uh, has given it to us? Sure, I mean, the great command, you know, our Lord mm -hmm. reminds us that we are to love God mm -hmm. with all of our being, so mind, body, soul, but also to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But it starts, you know, when an understanding of how we've been created and why we've been created. Mm -hmm. So a very different vision of the human person. So for example, in my column, I, I talk about, you know, when you look at the animal kingdom, right. you know, so, uh, you know, the particular animal, you know, is, is not concerned, you know, about the very things that humans should be concerned about. In other words, they, they go in search of food, shelter, uh, you know, partnerships, if you will, you know, sexual encounters. Uh, but, you know, we don't go around, you know, in that regard as an animal would, that our understanding of human sexuality is very different. Our understanding of responsibility toward our neighbor is very different in the sense of uh, in how we react to the, the, the daily challenges and responsibilities are very, very different than, uh, than uh, an animal in the animal kingdom that really is concerned about its own well-being, its shelter, you know, protective of its own food, uh, you know, very, in a sense, not in, in a rational way, but very much an individual, you know, mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, protecting, you know, whereas myself, that, you know, I'm, I am an individual, unique, you know, irrepeatable, you know, in, in, in a sense, but, by, but I'm connected to a human family. And that human family, what unites me is what Christ calls me to, and that is to a greater gift of self, a self-giving, mm -hmm. an other orientation. So to be other-oriented means that your well-being is of equal value to my own well-being. And in a sense of how I seek that good in you and how you do that myself. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's very different when we start talking about marriage, but it's right. still very much there's a similarity in, in the sense of self-giving, self-donating, you know, always concerned about the well-being of the other. You know, what St. Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, love is never jealous, you know. So all this becomes realized in how we respond to that great command, that, that an understanding of who is man, who is woman, and how that love becomes realized in our communal living, in our relationship to each other, and our obligation toward each other. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'll use an example. I think it's a good one. Uh, I often use in my in our travels and mission work. Is you know, this is out of uh, a school here in the United States, mm -hmm. and it's an all uh, boys school, and uh, it's in one of the main cities of our country. And I'm being purposely not naming it, uh, so uh, so don't ask me. Tell me what that name is. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to tell you. But it's uh, it's in a very difficult city, mm -hmm. and in the heart of the city, and it's uh, it's a Catholic school, and uh, and so. One day, one of the young men from the school was moving from his home toward the school. And another school, uh, a group of the guys from that school, uh, really uh, uh, surrounded him and got into a fight and really, you know, uh, beat this young man up. Mm -hmm. You know, they grouped up on, top, on him. Mm -hmm. And so the next day, or that, excuse me, that same afternoon, the entire body of that school oh, wow. showed up at the other school. Oh my gosh. Now, this is also with the blessing of the school administration. Of the Catholic school. Let's handle this out. So basically, what, what my point is not to promote violence or to promote, you know, but, or to or any kind of revengeful act. But what it showed, though, is that whatever happened to this young man happened to the school. 
And that's how the student body received it. Now, all these young men come from very, very hard family life. Yeah. And so they, they realize that we, we have to help each other. We have to support each other. We have to defend each other. Mm -hmm. And that's how they saw this, that this assault was not an assault on that student singularly. It was an assault on the entire mm -hmm. population of that school. And, and, and I think it shows a value. And that's what St. St. Paul enjoins upon us, right? Yes, yes. He, he, and so, so yeah. obviously it's how we see that. So for example, when we talk about the unborn, mm -hmm. why would I be concerned about an unborn child that's, that's in Africa, mm -hmm. uh, Asia, you know, Latin America right. down in, in Argentina, let's say? You know, why? Because they are part of my human family. Mm -hmm. And so of course I'm concerned about the well-being of that child, no different than the child next to me or in my own family. So to see that value, to see it, and then to want to realize it, bring it into bear, to bring it into life, to give it a purpose in day, this is what the Christian call is. So to right. build up that, that beautiful civilization, really, mm -hmm. to do that. It takes an effort. So that's, an, that's a true story. Now, that's from a few years back. So <laughs> yeah, maybe so someone quite, around, uh, listening to us might go back and let me, let me look that up. Let me see where it is. They might find it actually uh, out mm -hmm. there. I've talked about it quite a few times and I've actually made a reference in writing to the actual school. So okay. I'm giving clues. Well, you can comb through uh, Human Life International's uh, website to find that one, folks. That's correct. That's um, right. Uh, or any of my other videos that I've done. I've mentioned the story before. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a funny one, but also uh, startling. Anyway, but it, it illustrates your point well, I think, Father, of the kind of the corporate, um, not in the sense of collective, right, right. because that would be a sort of communist, right. uh, heretical sort of deviation from right. like taking the ideal of the collective as higher right. than that of the individual. What we're right. really saying uh, as Catholics, what the church is teaching is, is, is the kind of the um, singular importance of the individual, but not to the detriment of the society, but rather to the building up of the society, right? right? right yeah. And that comes with, I, I think what I was trying to get at was um, with, as far as the concept of love, the difference between um, really what we mean in the church and is charity, right? That is, right. is the kind of love that Christ is, um, as opposed to, you know, I mentioned those, the signs that are around everywhere or, or um, slogans, love is love, or things like that. Well, right. I mean, that's a true slogan. If it, it depends on what you mean, though, by right. that word, love, right. um, because it's it's a tautology, love it's is also, love. It's also, I mean, just like we're talking about two different yeah. visions, Tad, we're talking about a, a very important term. How do we define love? Right. So that's why what we're doing right now is very yeah. important, and that is let's make sure we're speaking of the same terminology, mm -hmm. because if we're not, then we're, we're mm -hmm. already on the, on the wrong foot. But by starting mm -hmm. with a clear understanding of the human person, Mm -hmm. clear understanding of what we mean by love according to, to the gospel, the caritas, the charity of which mm -hmm. Christ calls us to, and also the, 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 the very reflection of Christ himself. You know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. You know, what I say to you is love one another. What does that really mean? How do we actualize that love? Right. And, right, because it doesn't mean I necessarily, you know, have a deep, fondness or affection for you father which right. i do right, right. sure <laughs> but uh, but it's it's an act of the it's 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 in my intention exactly. as a, my free will as a person to will you know say thomas would say that will you're good right exactly. uh, for right. its own sake rather than you know for my pleasure or exactly. you know, what i can exactly. get out of you exactly you know? which is very important that's why i use that word flourishment yeah. you know because the well-being flourishment but just to seek and not just to mm -hmm. you know to verbalize i seek your good ted 
but yeah. to really do what I can to, mm -hmm. to bring that to bear. Yeah. You know, so in a sense, you know, in our audience, you know, who's been, uh, who follows the pro-life movement and maybe, maybe, or maybe not aware of it, you know, I, I direct them to a video that's called Sing a Little Louder. You know, mm -hmm. I've used this video throughout my uh, work in the mission field, and it goes back to World War II. And again, it helps to, to give a, a, a real clear understanding. So it's, it's based on a true story. So it's a young boy, now an old man, looking back in time mm. and realizing when he was a young boy during the Second World War and in the church that he attended, there was a set of railroad tracks that ran right behind the church. Mm -hmm. And so this track was used to haul people uh, that were going to the concentration camps. So for those in our audience, I really would recommend it. It's a very moving story mm -hmm. and about maybe less than 20 minutes long. It's, it is worth the time. Uh, to to uh, to not only watch it but to to really grab hold of it, and what the young man now an older man is reflecting is what more could he have done, mm. and he's looking back. And the reason why it's called "Sing a Little Louder" just to kind of give the uh, the story away is that when the train stopped one day behind the church and you know, screeched as trains do that that's the sound they make, it uh, the the church the pastor was preaching. And, uh, and so all of a sudden you can hear the cries of the people coming from the train, coming from within the carts uh, that housed all humanity that were being led you know, to these camps. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was to, in a sense, to drown them out, the pastor, and again, here we're not making you know, fun of anyone, you know, his response was in this moment to pick up a hymnal and to sing above the noise, mm. the cries. And so this young man now, older man, is reflecting. Mm -hmm. Looking back, how did this happen? How did we ignore, you know, the plight of a people suffering? How did we turn our, our and, we, and he says, we call ourselves Christian. So we can apply this same reality, you know, to the unborn child, to our elderly yeah. that are being euthanized or abandoned, uh, to abandoned children, to trafficking. We can talk about so many things within this conversation about, you know, about my brother, my sister. And that goes back to the school I reference. You know, whatever happens to my brother in that situation happens to me. So if we can really become where that's a part of our thought, and that's where those two visions come in. You know, instead of seeing like you 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 articulated beautifully, Ted, what can I get from you? You know, what, what, how can I use you and exhaust mm -hmm. you as if I were using a, a water bottle, consumed all the water, and just then throw it away? Uh, it's given me everything it can. You know. That is not a vision of humanity that Christ proclaims, and it's not a huma vision of humanity that promotes the common good. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a usury. It's a, it's a commodification of, of people, of things, versus the vision of the good, the, the, what is true, what is uh, just, what is, what is beautiful, and, and seeking that for every individual. Mm -hmm. And whether, uh, no matter what my profession in life may be, whether it be in medicine, it can be in law, it can be in teaching, education, uh, whatever it means is to see that. So, and I, and after this, uh, in, and also in our mission field, talking about marriage. So if every day, and I'm gonna use two names, Frank and Cindy. Let's say Frank married to Cindy. Every day, the first thought when Frank wakes up in the morning is what can I do for the good of my wife today? You know, and then Cindy wakes up and has the same thought. What can I do for the good of my husband today? our family today. And if that is something I wake up with every day, what can I do for the good of others today? And 
and, and really make it not just a thought, but to bring it to bear, mm-hmm. it does change the culture around us. And it influences how people process things and how we, we treat other people, how we treat in business, how we treat in our daily service. There's so many ways this thought, this vision mm-hmm. affects us. Right. And that's why I said earlier is that we have to be aware that it's always around us. It's in everywhere. It's in every conversation, every decision that we make. It's all there. And so do I react, you know, to a situation, you know, out of frustration, anger, or do I respond in a way that is respectful and at the same time maybe firm? Maybe I'm dealing with something that's very difficult, but doesn't mean I should uh, belittle that individual or ignore their human dignity. You know, there are lots of things that every day that we encounter, and it really is, it's a decision in that moment. What vision, what path will I take? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Father, and I think it's it's very clear that um, this difference is based on an, uh, a, the difference between the view of civilization and society is based on a difference between um, two two types of anthropology. Mm-hmm. The one in which um, I, I suppose you could call it secular, you call it um, you know atheistic, whatever agnostic. A person is kind of left undefined. It's just whatever you and I are and maybe unborn children are that or not or whatever. But anyway, we essentially care about what good can come to us and and quality of life or sort of um, everything is based on uh, kind of this idea of pleasure. Whereas Christians talk about something very, very specific, very unique. Um, We are made in the image and likeness of God, right? And so that's the imago Dei. that's critical. That is what makes the difference here. But I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, Father, because I, I think that the difference, that this is a phrase that kind of, we use it so much and it means so much that it kind of it gets glossed over and it kind of just goes mm-hmm. over our heads like, okay, this is the buzzword. Yeah, we're made in the image and likeness of God. And same with sanctity of life and dignity of life. These we constantly use in the pro-life movement in, you know, uh, Christian teaching and Catholic teaching. Um, and it makes all the difference, but we have to kind of maybe, it's, I think it's worth it to dwell on them, on mm-hmm. these phrases a little bit and, and see really what they mean kind of from a theological level, mystical level, because um, it makes all the difference. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I was looking for, as I was you know, uh, looking through some of the pages, you know, I, in the article, I, I quote John Paul in Evangelium mm-hmm. Vitae. So in a way, which you are you're making also reference to is that when we lose sight of God, we lose sight of each other. Mm-hmm. And so, which helps us get back to the question of the Imago Dei. It helps us to, to understand what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. And, and to, to have a, a true understanding of the transcendent nature mm-hmm. that of which man and woman are called. This gift of this desire for eternal life. We're made for God. Paul puts it in his letter to the Ephesians that God made us to, to, to love him. He made us to, to know, to, 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 to really made for that life with God. And so, starting with that understanding, is is changes the vision of life mm-hmm. and, and and it helps us to focus the meaningfulness of life you know whether we're talking about parenthood whether we're talking about uh, getting married whether the mm-hmm. vocation be called to the religious life or to the to the priestly state or to live beautifully in the single state that god has called this individual to see that there is a a, a purpose there is a direction there is a focus there is something within me that is bearing witness to something greater than myself mm-hmm. and to in, in whose image I have been made to, to know God, to, to love God, to be with God, and to use my ability of reason to, to exercise 
you know, the freedom to choose this, this, this motion toward him and to then show that, you know, as, as our Lord reminds us so beautifully that whatever we do unto the least of each, to, to each other, we do unto him. In a sense, to see how am I reflecting this great image in which I have been made. And as I've said many times, you know, that it, which is not tarnished in a sense of, uh, of, like when we look at our world today that looks at things from a very usury, futile kind of a, an illusion that, uh, you know, if I have a disability, I'm kind of less than something. This, it's a horrible right. vision of mm-hmm. the human person. Or if I'm uh, having difficulty, maybe an incompetent person who's lost cognitive ability, somehow their, their dignity is somehow diminished. One never loses this dignity. Mm-hmm. It's an inherent dignity. That's why we use the terminology. It's an unchangeable, an immutable dignity. Uh, and it's not something that, you know, that, can, that the government bestows or that my parents bestow on me somehow. This is part of who I am and my nature as a human being. Mm-hmm. And that this, this call that I'm, I'm called to express in word, in action, is something so beautiful. That's why I went back and I, was, I wish I could find the actual paragraph in the article, but the idea of that uh, quoting John Paul, so that when you see this un- misunderstanding that you mentioned earlier, if in, in an atheistic mindset, in an, in an agnostic mindset, or in a, in a modern mindset where God does not exist, God is... Uh, uh, is uh, or is at least forgettable and right. not, imp- not relevant. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It means that I can then look at you in a very different vision as well. Now, that doesn't mean I can't have a, 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 in a sense of wanting someone's good, but mm-hmm. it doesn't reach the fullness of what it could yeah. in Christ and in understanding who man, who woman is, and a true anthropology, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important distinction uh, and to help us because, for example, you can have a person who does humanitarian things, good things, mm-hmm. but is not connected to, to in a service of God, a service of the of what God is asking of us. And so there's a good being done, but it's not the fullness of what that good could be if done with the full intention of what Christ calls us to, to do. So in other words, there, there's an end. You know, I give this money for this particular good, but I get a plaque, you know. Yeah. I get my, my name on a building. You know, I get a scholarship named after me. All things in and of themselves. Or a tax exemption. Right, nothing, <laughs> nothing bad. But mm-hmm. that is not the reason why I would... Uh, give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty. So we'll go back to the corporal works of mercy. Right. You know, we can look at how th- those are very different, and they're different actions. Oh, and right. as you said very beautifully earlier, Ted, there are different intentions in, in this as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so all this is part of this conversation of, as we talk about two different visions. And, and, and so as we, we keep this conversation, you know, in our daily life, it also makes people pause. You know, uh, when people step in and do something that people would consider heroic, you know, which in a way may be a heroic act. But when you think of, uh, you know, the, the value of people laying down their lives for others, you know, people willingly sacrificing some good that they would want for the good of another human being, you know, uh, giving something from their own want when they themselves are sacrificing something great that they have a need for, but they do something for someone else. And we look at this and, you know, we, we hear story after story, you know, someone trying to save another person who's drowning and that themselves, they might save the individual, but they themselves lose their life. So, you know, the idea here is that these actions are around us and uh, we need to, to realize that what it calls me and calls each of us to live and, and to live in a manner that, you know, I, I think back 
you know, in a way to, to healthcare. This is another good way of looking at it. Um, we step back in time and realize that the, the system that we understand today really goes back to religious life. Yeah. And it goes back to our monasteries and to, and to the church continuing the mission of Jesus, which is healing, mm -hmm. right? So we, we think about that. And we step back not too long ago when so many of our institutions, especially here in the, in the United States and other countries, were, were run by Catholic religious. And so, but think about that. So in the morning when those religious sisters or brothers, in any case, you know, they've started their day with morning prayer, maybe uh, offering a holy mass, uh, and spent time in adoration, you know, and then, you know, then ate their breakfast, if you will, and out the door into the hospital. Mm -hmm. They brought everything with them. So the, it was a continuation. It was a single movement. Yeah. And so today what we see is a, a disconnect in so many mm -hmm. ways from this yeah, beautiful life that we're called to live. Compartmentalization, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, sort of, yeah. And that's why the challenge. So obviously I'm yeah. go back to the story with the young, young men. Not advocating go out and put your boxing gloves on, but 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 it, but it speaks of something. Mm -hmm. it's, and you know, and so uh, fraternity. Yes, uh, it speaks of a connection yeah. that you know that there's something that, that's wrong that happened. There was an injustice that happened today, mm -hmm. and we have to respond to it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important for us in our in our conversation is how do we instill that within every soul to to really consider the injustice. I I jokingly would say if you give three children uh, and you give one child a 10 pound chocolate bar, the second child a five pound chocolate bar, and the, and the third child a 10 ounce chocolate bar, I guarantee you that child with a 10 ounce bar is gonna say, wait a minute, something's not right here. What happened? You know, why did this one get? So we, we sense this, we know this. Something within us kind of recognizes there's an injustice here. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and we, we tend to bury it, we, we, especially in our individualistic culture, our kind of self-determination culture that we have. We kind of forget, but tragedies happen, and it kind of pulls people out of it. You know, I, I know from South Louisiana, hurricanes devastating, the tornadoes that affect our country, these, the snowstorms and all the dynamics, fires, and all of a sudden people are cooking for their neighbors that they haven't spoken to in 10 years. They're, they're giving clothes, they're going out and do charitable things. Something within us calls us to recognize there's a need. Yeah. There's something in that person that needs my help. And then, but the tragedy goes away and we kind of fall back. Yeah. My challenge in the article is that it should never fall back. We mm -hmm. should constantly be moving toward this end. And it really starts when I know who I am and who I know who you are and this great vision of, of a civilization of life and love. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful place. And if I may say, you know, is it's never gonna be perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's As not, you mentioned in the article, right? It's not gonna be perfect because I'm a far from perfect being. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my decisions do not reflect the very call of which I'm called to live. Now that doesn't excuse me either, all right? I gotta work against it, I gotta discipline myself. Mm -hmm. But to know that we're working toward that as St. Paul would remind, our Lord reminds us so beautifully, you know, to be holy, to be perfect, to strive for it. So every day we just got to keep trying, got to mm -hmm. keep doing it. And, and that's what gets us going. That's what, I mean, when you think about so many parents every day caring for a child of disability, every mm -hmm. day they get up and every morning they, they, they do everything they can for the good of that other person. So this is something we just got to keep doing. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a great challenge today, you know, for mm -hmm. us. To, to talk about this, but to, to, to bring it, to, to keep the conversation going. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it really is a mystery then, uh, just as far as the, as far as the, um, 
the image and likeness of God, the dignity and sanctity of life, it is a mystery as to, to you know, because we obviously, you know, Scripture says no one has ever seen God, right, in the Gospel of John, but right. um, we do know, uh, in as much as Christ has revealed uh, Him to us, that ideal to which we are uh, to attain and kind of try to strive to um, to imitate and therefore there that goes into all the service that you were speaking Absolutely. of and just the willing of the good of the other the the love charity yeah. um divine charity um exactly and and the same thing you know think of this so that the invisible becomes visible mm -hmm. you know and so the we talk about this you know the saint paul in his own way says you know you know uh god uh you know the 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 beauty you know that uh, that the god you know, becomes one of us. So the invisible God becomes visible. We, we, he walks among us, speaks to us, mm -hmm. you know, and becomes one of us. And I think it's such a powerful thing. And it's something I learned from an older priest that I think is something that helps me, uh, you know. And I, I tend to be, you know, uh, uh, have a, a tender heart, you know, some, uh, in a sense of concern for others. Mm -hmm. uh, goes back to my own childhood. I think it's very much nurtured in me. And so, uh, but an older priest showed, uh, taught me this as well uh, to help manifest it. I mean, think of the people that we meet uh, every day on the street, mm -hmm. you know, in our various communities. So we, we, we name them transients or the homeless or so forth. And they, uh, people kind of try to uh, give them a, a grouping, if you will. But these are human beings, brothers and sisters. This is, uh, you know, someone's father, someone's mother, a brother, an uncle, a cousin, you know, someone's child. A grandchild. I mean, so when we when we when we start looking at this, the whole argument we have against pornography is not just on the issue of the abuse and misuse of human sexuality, but the also the real fundamental is the misuse and abuse of a human person, yeah. the commodification of another individual for the sexual pleasure of a, another human being. You know, this is this is this is again. But when we're mindful of this, so when I you know I'm driving or I'm walking in a given city. I cannot resolve these problems by myself, but one thing I do is I, I extend a blessing, even though mm -hmm. they don't see me. I can be driving my car and I, mm -hmm. I give a blessing. I'm, this is, again, someone. This is not a thing. This is a person, a human being with dignity, just like mine, to be mindful of that. And, and you know, the, we, we hear this in the scripture of you know, kind of crossing to the other side of the street. All right, you know, of the priest and, and so forth. And, but you know, how many people do this every day too? And look, I, I don't question, there, there are many people sadly struggle with, you know, mental difficulties. Some people can be very hard to deal with on, on, on the street and, and situations. And we don't advise, you know, putting people in difficult situations, you know. But the idea here is to, to really pause and think of the plight of that individual. Mm -hmm. what, what's brought that individual? You know, no matter what the circumstance may be that, this person has chosen and embraced that has led them down this path, whatever it is, but to remember that this is a person and that there's concern that I should have in some way toward that individual. And we need to, mm -hmm. in a sense, get, uh, unclog the deaf ears, right. you know, right. and remove the hardness of our hearts and, and, and yeah. the cynicism that, that we have. Even a, even a, a, a kind gesture, a kind word, um, you know, our, as our Lord says, whatever you do to the, these little ones, you do to me, exactly. to these least. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, but it's a mindset. So that's yeah. what we started with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, that's why I, I go back to the very beginning and just reiterate that it's every day. 
Every day we, we encounter these two visions. Every decision we make deals with these two visions in some way or another. Yeah. You know, and so that's why it's so important to talk about. And if we can move upstream, if we can get, for example, if we can get before, it's, why do we have abortion? Why do we have euthanasia? Why are we seeing human trafficking? Why do we see the promotion of pornography? And all the various diet things, the bioethical dilemmas, the moral dilemmas we see in our culture. We get further upstream and really understand how all this begins. Yeah. So if my understanding of TAD is someone I can use for my own means and my own ends to achieve my own goals and my own outcomes, mm -hmm. no matter what that, that, how that diminishes your dignity or in a sense diminishes your life, is a selfish motivation. And so, and it's a vision that we see running through our cultures mm -hmm. in the West. Exactly. Another vision is the other vision. And that is an anthropology that begins with who Tad is, the dignity of the man before me. Whether he sees it or not, does not change it. It is there. And it's up to me to see it and to, and to, and to respect it and to honor it and to help some kind of way, if Tad has lost his direction or Tad has no longer believes in it, how can I help him understand it and to see it in himself again? And then that's how we start building and cultivating that culture and sustaining a culture of life. So this is why this is so important to have. So uh, I, I think it's just a good thing and I'm so grateful that you, that you uh, decided to choose this as our kind of our discussion topic okay. today. Well, thank you, Father. I've, I've been, uh, it's, it's been great to pick your brain about this as well. Um, I, did, I did just wanna ask you, Father, um, kind of segue into this, you know, we're talking about the culture of life and the culture of, the, of death. Um, how has it happened that the culture of death has overtaken to such an extent? I mean, we discussed how the culture of life, culture of death, city of man, city of God, uh, ha have not, never been, and never will, at least the culture of life has never been perfect. The civilization of love has never been perfect and never will be perfected here on earth. In heaven it will be. Um, but somehow it seems that in the last century or so or mm -hmm. two, um, the culture of death, the opposite, has really overtaken. And I was wondering, Father, if I could, I could sort of uh, question you about where you think that's coming from. What is unique about our situation now that uh, yeah. the offenses, abuses of, 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 of right. human persons seem to be so much greater? Well, if I can just put it this way, I mean, obviously our time doesn't allow us to go through historical, yeah. you know, how this is over, as you said. This is not something that's occurred overnight. It hasn't happened over the last decade. It's been many decades, sometimes even a century of thought and processes that have led us down this path. But when you think about, you know, how do we, you, ultimate your question, Tad, is how have we become desensitized? How have we become, in a sense, um, uh, to the point where we don't realize, you know, what our choices we have made? So you look at the Second World War and we look at some of the, the issues of the concentration camps, we look at the, the issues of how did the, the Nazi party be able to advance what it was doing with regard to, you know, not only, I mean, not only our Jewish brothers and sisters, but, you know, Catholics and Christians and Priests. other, exactly, you know, but you can even step back even, you know, further in time and, and get example upon example of atrocities done against humanity. And, and typically, I would say, if I may, kind of bring them in under one umbrella. It's when we really become desensitized and we begin to de de determine 
who has value, who doesn't have value. And, and it's all, it's all uh, you know, basically arbitrary because today someone can say that you have value and tomorrow say you don't have value. Well, what determines that? And typically it's about those who, see, who have seats of power, you know, and we know that how that affects decision making. And so in the idea of I want something and the only way that I'm going to be able to obtain that is by basically diminishing your influence. Mm -hmm. So how can that, this is all what helps emerge this conversation. And so we see it today. So in the conversation of dealing with the disabled, for example, let's look at, you know, Great Britain. Let's look at the, we talked about this before in other podcasts, when you think of what's happening in many parts of the Netherlands and you think of how we deal with children with Down syndrome. You mentioned mm -hmm. this earlier, you know, well, it's not so much that we've resolved, you know, from a genetic medical situation of how to address, you know, this issue. No, what many countries have done is basically promote systems that annihilate people diagnosed with Down syndromes. Right. Down syndrome. So what we've done is we, we've, we've designated a certain group of people and we say, and we try to justify ourselves by talking about compassion. We don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to have, you know, difficult lives. But really in reality, what John Paul would say is that we don't want to be bothered. We don't want to be inconvenienced. So, so, right. we, so we convince ourselves and we then desensitize ourselves. Well, if I can do that, Mother Teresa said this, if a mother can kill her own child, then basically, if I may take that that thought, then why can't I kill you? Why can't I kill someone else? What what is the difference mm -hmm. here? Yeah. So this is the mindset. What happens when we we fall into that desensitization that we become completely oblivious to to the to the world around us and the reality of the human pe people that or share my journey and share my life and share my yeah. existence. The darkness and of the intellect that comes with sin. It does, and so we can say it's a spiritual component. Obviously, we know we're in a spiritual battle, yeah. but also we can look at secular values. We can look at how those values are promoted. We can look at the whole issue of modernism and how that's influenced, the whole sexual revolution, how that's influenced, mm -hmm. uh, government policies, you know, uh, you know, all these various things in, in daily living affect us and how we respond. So today in our culture, in the Western culture, especially where abortion has been legalized, most people have be de become desensitized thinking mm -hmm. it's normative, it's law, it is what it is. So they no longer think about it, it's just what it is. Yeah. And, and so now we speak of rights and we speak about, the, you know, and so forth. But what we don't realize is at the end of the day, someone dies, a human being dies, you know? And so it's, it, this is the part, same thing with pornography. How many people are, are addicted or participating in this and are completely desensitized, whether that person is there of free will or coerced, the reality is another person is being used. Yeah. For what end? So we tr human trafficking. Let's talk about labor trafficking as well with the human trafficking. You know, literally, I know of a situation where an entire group of, of men, young men, were were kidnapped, and then brought into slavery. Basically, human trafficking of modern day slavery. And for twenty years, these families of these young men then thought they're, they're they were gone. They were dead. They were some, they never knew where they were. Twenty years later, it was un, it was uh, unmasked, and these twenty young men returned. Hmm. Well, in some regard, you know, the families had uh, they, their mother and fathers were gone; they were dead. Their brothers and sisters were no more. There was even a situation of recent where a, a group of young men, your age, Tad, mm -hmm. kidnapped, brought into fifteen twenty years of of, of of forced labor, freed. Now, let's say you were married. 
-hmm. You come back and your wife is remarried. <laughs> what was she to do? Yeah. No record of you. Talk. I mean, this is this is what we talk about when we talk about people. We're talking about impact. Mm -hmm. So that's why this conversation, mm -hmm. again, is 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 important to keep bringing up. And and I'm being repetitive purposely, you know, so that maybe if someone comes in the beginning of our program and comes at the end, they can hear. But the idea that recognizing, trying to tune those ears in, you know, to to become sensitive. And you know, there's a there's a phrase in uh, in a Christmas carol. You know, I think it's by the, the Christmas of, uh, 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 the ghost of Christmas present, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Remember when Ebenezer, you know, talks about the idea about, well, you know, if they, if we can't, they can't afford to be cared for, then let them die. Mm -hmm. All right? And remember what happens in the story as it unfolds. Ebenezer comes to know the child of, of, of little, little Tim yeah. and realizing, Tim. please don't let him die. Please, you know, well, if there's nothing that can be, he repeats the words of Ebenezer. Mm -hmm. And Ebenezer says, you use my own words against me. Then he says to him, maybe next time you'll think, I'm paraphrasing now, yeah. before you open your mouth about who these people are. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key here, you know, is to, is to, to realize that we're, who our people are. And, and who, so whether they live across the planet from me or right underneath my own roof, mm -hmm. my response should still be the same. Yeah. You know? And I, that's where we have to keep going with this, Tad. Yeah, absolutely, Father. And um, just, I think we only have time for a couple more questions here, but uh, I wanted to ask, as far as the culture of death goes, um, w would it be fair to describe as sort of like, in scare quotes again, um, the crowning jewels, uh, quote unquote, of the culture of death as abortion and euthanasia, and then maybe contraception is the linchpin, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the contraceptive mentality that kind of says, you know, um, my pleasure is more important than even natural consequences, but also any kind of, um, you know, effects of, uh, on other people. Is that, is that a fair characterization, you think, sure. Father? I mean, it's a falsification of, of goods, ultimately. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the good of marriage, the good of the conjugal act, the fruit that flows from those good, the good of marriage and the good of conjugal love, and, but also the falsification of, 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 of life. Mm -hmm. You know, that abortion denies. It denies a good. It denies the, the gift of life. Mm -hmm. You know, euthanasia then looks at a human being and says that whatever reason, whether they be terminally ill or whatever the dynamic may be, that their value, and you, and you hear this, you know, from people, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to be a burden on people. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, so, so it's important, you know, to realize, you know, what, again, what's underlying these, these issues and, and to keep addressing them from the point of view that this, the, this falsification only produces further. You know, one of our staff members loves to say, oh, it can't get any worse. And I've challenged them and said, don't ever, don't say that anymore. Because it does, because we, we as you mentioned earlier, how did we get here? Well, because we, we, we don't learn. We, we look over what we've done in our history and we think we've gotten better. And in many ways we have grown, but in so many ways we have not. You know, and so, so today the fruit that continues to manifest itself through the violence against marriage, through contraception, has led now to the violence against human life. Because if life was not wanted in the very beginning of a conjugal act, all right, so why would it be wanted if it comes into being? So mm -hmm. now we see the need for abortion. So yeah. obviously abortion, the mindset of contraception with abortion, then leads to another mindset, that mindset that we see now in euthanasia. 
So when life is degraded into the point and it's devalued and it's given definitions through futility and, you know, basically, again, that commodification, usury, you know, then basically you come to a stage in your life where it doesn't mean old age. It could be that you become debilitated. You become, you know, in a sense, a need upon society. Well, mm-hmm. society says, well, we don't, we, we don't need to be burdened by you. Well, all that goes back to that mindset that began with contraception. You know, the self-determination and this unwillingness to offer oneself, to be open, to be one that's concerned about, you know, self-giving. See, we've changed the terms and we've changed the definitions. And so this is what's brought us here. So we have to peel all of that back and get back to really what is the beauty, who is man, who is woman, what is the gift of life, what is the purpose of life, you know, what is this understanding of Imago Dei, all of that continuing. And that's why you see so many of us in this movement bringing up these terms constantly. And you're right, Ted, we do need to take time every once in a while and just redefine mm-hmm. them in a sense of not uh, in a sense of redefine what I want them to believe, but to, to, to help people to see them again, yeah. hear them again, and to recommit to them again. And so, yeah, I think it's, a, it's, it's that, that falsification is so important, you know, for people to see, because that's what happened. We're falsifying goods. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Father. I think that that's as clear an explanation as, as it can get. So um, I just want to ask uh, at the, the last juncture here, um, what do we do about it? What is What do Catholics, what is the action plan here? Catholics, pro-lifers, I mean, you've talked about how we, we kind of, I guess uh, you could say, um, get that uh, heighten our consciousness, if, if you want to use that sort of terminology, but um, at least become aware, be sensitized to these, these things. Um, but if the fundamental, fundamental issue is, is the loss of the sense of God, as, as St. John Paul II puts it in Evangelium Vitae, what, what is the action there, sure. you know, the spiritual impulse? Um, yeah. How do we have a renewal in prayer and, 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 and kind of in our own interior lives such right. that we then can look outward and say, ah, you know, my brothers and sisters yeah, made absolutely. in the image and likeness of God. Well, in a way, you've, you've just answered it. Okay. I mean, there, there, there lies the answer. So I think, you know, from, from, from those of us who are already are aware, mm-hmm. so how can we further tune our ears? And, I, and you just gave a beautiful answer. I need to keep drawing closer to Christ. Draw nearer. The nearer I draw toward Him, there is no room for darkness. In other words, I become much more alert, much more aware, and I come aware of my own need, my own hunger, my own want, and then I become recognize the want and the need of my brother and my sister. So definitely, you know, the the, the uh, my my call as a, as a leader within this pro life movement is to keep drawing nearer to Christ Himself, in whose name and 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 witness that I continue to give witness. So it's manifesting that in in, in my daily living, which means it's it's a constant. It doesn't just happen. I, I got to keep working and cooperating with grace and growing in that grace and and so the same thing now for the world now how does that change great example tad you gave and that is i'm how can i be a light christ mm-hmm. says be, you are the light of the world mm-hmm. right so how do i express that light well it's my daily living you know and i think it's how do i step into my my work environment my recreation my friendships in other words in my day how do i manifest god in my life. 
so that, as Paul would say, no longer do I live, but Christ mm-hmm. lives in me. How is that done? Simple. You know, can I walk away, and if I gave you a, 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 a survey after I walked away, would you say this was a kind, meek, charitable, gentle, loving, joyful? You know, what, what would manifest the terminology that this person is really manifesting a virtuous, you know, uh, meritorious life? And then how does that transmit in the daily decisions? So one person at a time makes the powerful impact. And so if I may use again, uh, as I've done many times, the March for Life in Washington, D.C., founded and created by Nellie Gray. One person stepped forward and became a light. And now many other people have joined in that. Mm. And so the movement of our founder, Father Paul Marx, one man stepped forward, became a light. And that light drew other people to join in. So that's how this movement moves forward. And so Christ did it, right? Come and follow. You want to live? Come and follow. Come and see. All right? So it is one person at a time. And it's one individual moment. You know, one situation at a time. And then when people walk away from that moment and they remember, you know, that this person manifested something uniquely different, right? Because in our culture... It's, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. All right? So, I want nothing. You know, why are you doing it? I want nothing. That's completely against the grain. So, this is a way to continue to push against that, 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 that desensitization. It's a way of pushing against this self, you know, in this individual who just wants to be self-determined, you know. It's a push against this individualistic mentality. John Paul would say this, all these isms that he would list out and, mm-hmm. and names. This is the way you push back. And this is what we, that's how we change the culture. This is how we, we push against that tsunami that yeah. we stand against. And it is a tsunami, all right? And, and you know, in our movement, we, we know that we're against the, the majority of, of, of the mindset of our world, especially the elite, the governments of the Western world, you know, the mindset that we see in the United Nations and other organizations. But it doesn't change the truth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change our determination. Stay the course persevere, which goes back, prayer life, spiritual growth, you know, these are all the things that have, so for myself, to all of, all those who are listening, and you know, to our podcast today, is to encourage, just to really encourage the depth of a prayer life, a spiritual life that is growing, maturing, and deepening, and I will tell you this, if that prayer life is truly growing, sincerely growing, you can't sit on your sofa for long, Mm -hmm. because Christ is calling, Get off the sofa. No, what did, what did the angels say to them at the day of the ascension? What are you doing looking up in the heavens? What you, I mean, go. There's work to be done. Mm. So that's what I would say to, to all of our audience and, and to, to myself every day. There's work to be done. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I will close with this, and that is I'm working to put HLI out of business. <laughs> and I mean that sincerely, is that the goal is that this work that is directly to address these bioethical issues that we are dealing with in this culture, if we can resolve this, then HLI has a different work to do, and it won't be this work, yeah. all right? So this is what we're after, you know? So that's what this is about. So, yeah. prayer life. Well, absolutely, thank you very much, Father. That's, that's wonderful, I think there's nothing 
nothing, no better way to put it than that. So thank you very much. And thank you very much uh, for watching the Culture of Life podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.